Welcome to the Pastors Podcast. Pastor Scott here with Pastor Brian. Hey. And Meredith Stores. Hello. For installment 83 <laughs> of Men <laughs> and Women. <laughs> it's only installment three. It is installment three. Installment three, right? It's three of three, right? Yeah. Three okay. of three. This yeah. is this is the last time we will ever talk about this. But maybe not. That's not true. <laughs> that's, that's not true. But a formally. But we at coming out of the men's and women's conference this last summer, we had a a goal to follow it up with a few a few conversations. And actually, I will say we I feel like after a couple of years of this. There's a part of us that ha- assumes people are like tired of talking about this because we're a little bit tired of talking about it. I <laughs> know <laughs> that we're like tired of talking about it, but we like it just um, it's been a focus for a long time. But I got feedback from our last the last conversation we had um, was the last one. The one we were talking about it was about upstream issues, upstream issues. Yeah, yeah that. Uh, was really helpful mm, for people, yeah, and super encouraged by that. But we didn't want to just leave it there. Um, and so we're gonna dive in and talk a little bit more practically today about um what this looks like in the life of the church. But <clears throat> before we do, why don't I get your? I mean, I, I could explain why I think we're still talking about this, but after an eight-hour conference and two other podcast episodes. Um, if someone is just starting to listen to this and they're like, wait, why are we still talking about this? What, what would you tell them? I mean, this is a complex issue and yeah. we're trying to discuss this with nuance in a world that likes sound bites and nuanced ideas take some time for us to wrap our minds around and apply and sometimes you just need a little bit of repetition of a topic or coming back to it from different angles for mm. things to really sort of settle in and start to uh, make sense in a, uh, an applicable way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know th- that's really interesting because I think that actually part of the reason we s- are still talking about this is a, uh, <clears throat> in my mind, it's a pedagogical decision. Mm-hmm. Like we believe this is how we learn and how we learn about important and nuanced things. You, you, I mean, I think everybody knows that uh, hearing someone talk about something once is about the least effective way to learn something. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, is that like, I just think that you use pedagogical and I, <laughs> I think there's multiple people who are like, is that a, a kind of dog? Like, is that, <laughs> Is that a type? The type I learned of dog it from that you Gregory have? of Nazianzus. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> and what is pedagogical, uh, so, Scott? <laughs> I, the study of how you teach things, how go. you teach, how you learn. Um, I think that is correct. I think that you hear something one time, and it just doesn't. You don't process things by hearing them once and moving on. And we think this is a really important dynamic in the life of the church, in the life of the culture. There are so many questions about what is a man, so many questions about what is a woman, so many questions about in the Christian church about how we pursue manhood and womanhood, that there's no way we can sufficiently uh, combat the error in the world and grow ourselves in truth by hearing something about it once and then moving on. <laughs> Right. Mm-hmm. It requires coming back to it from different angles in different ways. Um, and I, I think this is in a, a uniquely poignant issue in our culture, in our life and in our generation that we hope to to take steps forward for generations to come. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird because on the one hand, like there's a in, in a different kind of context you probably shouldn't have to talk about this that much like there's, there's a, you know like <laughs> right, there's a way where right. you're like you know you're not really supposed to have to spend extended time talking about okay i'm a man let me think about manhood and like what that means yeah i'm a woman let me think about womanhood and like the, i think in a in a really healthy place you don't have to think about health that much mm. you know like when health is sort of propagating itself it just sort of works itself out um and that's just not really where we're at. No. And so at some point, it's weird to think that sometimes, I, I think if you're listening to this and you're, well, maybe you're not listening to this, so I have no one to talk to. 
Um, but if you're thinking like somebody, because they didn't click on it, you know, like, because because you're tired of it, you're just like, okay, this yeah. is like the third one in a row. You did an eight hour conference, like that's yeah. so much. We're doing events. Like if someone's like, I just kind of want to talk about something else, and maybe you're right, Scott. We do it more than anyone else, but um, I think even some of that response, some not all, but some of that response is connected to the fact that we've been taught just kind of societally right now to not think about manhood and womanhood. Like basically we're, we're, it, it's been instilled in us that these aren't factors. Mm. Like these aren't important things. Like you should be able to live a whole life without having to think about that. Cause it's just not a real issue you should have to deal with unless all these large cultural, you know, like factors about gender come into play. Um, but ideally in the world, mm. like you can think about it if you want to, but you shouldn't have to. Mm. And so for a lot of, I think for a lot of us, we're just kind of trying to like avoid the issue altogether and life should be able to be lived that way. We think like, I shouldn't have to think about being a man or, or manhood because that's not really supposed to be important. Mm. And that's just kind of that really weird place that we're at where we're being taught weird lessons about what these things are and also taught that they're super important and also taught that they're not important all at the same time. So you just kind of want to take a take a pass, yeah. take a bye week <laughs> on man and womanhood, and, and and I think what we're trying to do is say, well, when we get to a place of 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 health, um, there is a way you have to talk about it less. But in a place where we live, where it's just not very healthy, the way we're doing this, you got to talk about it more. And so we're going to have to keep having these conversations because, like I mentioned earlier, we're moving from just like manhood and womanhood and, and ideas of those into questions of gender. And uh, the kind of constructs of gender that we have and how you can adjust those or the, the, those are malleable in ways of your choosing. And just all this really, really complicated stuff out there. Mm. It, it's going to take a little time to not just hear something once that scripture has to say, but to see how it touches all those complicated issues in a loving and gracious and truth filled way. Yeah. And then actually begin to inhabit the world as a man or woman um with that in mind yeah i mean <laughs> i think that's i think that's exactly it and i think to be candid and maybe i i think you guys will agree with me on this but to begin the reason we are talking about that this and the reason we are talking about it here is because not only has the world lost its mind on this in a way that's like just either you get taught some really historically odd things or you're you're just encouraged not to think about it and just you know do what you want but not only has the world lost its mind on this but the evangelical response hasn't been great yeah like i i think that we genuinely like I, you know the reality is the reason we're not talking about believers baptism is because there's lots of good stuff out there on that like there, there's lots of some good resources we there's a, the reason we're not you know talking about um Right now, uh, the inerrancy of scripture. There's lots of great stuff on, on there. There's lots of people smarter than us talking. But the evangelical response to these problems in manhood and womanhood, and not, I'm not saying that there isn't some great work, but I think that the three of us in particular don't think it's very often hit the nail on the head. And it's why, for the sake of, our own hearts and minds and for the sake of our local church uh we feel like a, a a nuanced wrestling through this is required because it's it's not simple yeah i would agree with that i think you know we've been really clear that we're not inventing a new way of thinking about manhood and womanhood we're Absolutely. really building on what the church has historically believed and i've also heard feedback from people that they've never heard it's like the concepts weren't too far from what they had heard, but it, we were presenting things in a way that was new or different or fresh or yeah. refreshing, which yeah. I hope is, I think that's really been our heart in this, is finding a way to cast a vision that's beautiful and lovely and isn't reactionary or, you know, really trying to like swing hard an opposite way of the culture. Yeah. Okay, so... Again, this is one of the things we've done a lot of is talking about to the topic, <laughs> but we want to make sure in this episode, we get to conversations about applying the topic and actually just on 
as a quick aside, I was going to do this when we opened and I completely forgot, but Meredith, I want to publicly thank you for spending your lunch time, <laughs> your lunch break <laughs> from work, driving over here to do this with us. Absolutely. So it's just your, uh, the ways in which you sacrificially have put time into helping us sort through this in the midst of everything else going on in life is, yeah, the church is incredibly served by it. So thank you. I know it's a sacrifice. Well, thank you so much. But, um, so. I want to talk about the practical ways, the concepts of manhood and womanhood we've been talking about for months now um, can and has been shaping the church. Like what, what has this look? Because I think that this isn't, it's not just that we've been talking about it, but it, things have begun to, to look differently. And this information has shaped what we do and how we do what we do. Um, and so I'd love for, to get your thoughts on how you see this shaping um, these concepts of manhood and womanhood shape the life of the church practically. I mean, we've tried to, to move in that direction. So what's interesting about a question like how does it shape the church is that it's very layered with something that's this complicated. Like Meredith opened saying like, yeah. here's a complicated, you know, it's the, this isn't the kind of thing you just like go, Oh, here's like five to do's. And then you just, you just check them off. Yeah. At the same time, there is a way of leaving it so kind of theoretical and so Brian, you know, just like, so, <laughs> just, you know, like, like just leave, and you know, you said it, not me. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> there's a way of, of indulging in the, like the truth of it and trying to think about it and even see some of the beauty of that, like that vision of it. And then just kind of leave it there and go back to like your normal everyday life. And so we want to make sure that, we um, are respecting both the complexity and the practicality of this. And mm -hmm. so I think on the one hand, there are going to be ways that it shapes the church that are relatively intangible. It's not like you can like point at it and say, oh, there, it shaped the church there because they did this thing. Um, we talked at the conference a bunch about how like these, these concepts of manhood and womanhood aren't about activities per se. Like, mm -hmm. So it's going to be shaping the church is not going to be necessarily, oh, there's the activity. We did it. Ha -ha, yeah. You know, we'll yeah, celebrate. Yeah. So a lot of it's going to be that. It's going to be kind of intangible, indirect. It's going to be um, in the way we relate to each other and the way we kind of in inhabit and embody man and womanhood as men and women in the church who are, you know, complementary together. But there also still should be stuff. Like, like there mm. should be stuff that you can actually point at and see. Mm. And that's where I think about um, our, our men's and women's events that we're doing this fall. Like the women's breakfast happened a couple weeks ago. Uh, the men's breakfast is coming up this uh, this Saturday, um, so a few days after I think we were this will get released. Um, I have no idea about that. Is that the schedule? I, I don't know how this works. I just I just sit and talk. <laughs> it's this Saturday, it's, right? Yes, well, the event's Saturday. When is oh, this? When? when is this episode? It's before or after? Uh, this episode will probably get published before. Okay, so cool. So yeah, so those I mean those those are happening. I mean, Mary, do you want to talk about? the the women's event because that already happened yeah it did it was a really a great time uh we had a panel of uh four women who were part of a women's leadership cohort that we put together when did we start that scott it's been almost a couple of years now a couple of years and so yeah um, i mean that's why i, I want to talk about a little bit about the leadership structure both on uh, staff and with our leadership cohort and, and and we'll do that but yeah but i want to hear specifically about the event so these women are among the mothers of the church, um, women who just have such interesting perspectives. And so I really wanted to get together and I have done so much talking. I wanted to give them some time to reflect. And so we split the, the teaching time into a couple parts. We talked about this sort of vision of womanhood and, and tried to capture the beauty of it and, and really nail down practical applications of the definitions that we put together. And then we also talked about like sin and suffering and sort of what we do there. But I think the big issue that we wanted to tackle was this question of motherhood mm. because the word is loaded and different people are coming at it with different experiences. And so I wanted the four women on the panel. It was um, Nancy, Becky, Nicole, Austin, and Steph Moss um, to share from their perspective what does that word mean? What does it mean to nurture and to grow life uh, for the flourishing of others to the glory of God? And so they just, I, I wish, I, I mean, we didn't record it specifically because I really wanted us to have some time together that was uh, communal and discussion-based. But 
if you ever have a chance to talk with them about their perspectives, if you weren't at the event, I would I would certainly encourage you to do so, uh, because each of them have different things that they've experienced personally. They're in different life stages. This has looked different over the course of their life. And and then we got a chance to just sit at the tables and talk. And mm. and that to me was, I think, the most helpful because we could ask each other, okay, well, what does growing and le- nurturing look like for you? Like, you know, if you're an architect or if you work in a school or you're a student. And I think that's where we could really finally start to make it make more sense mm. individually. Mm. And I hope that women left the time there with a, a better sense of like, motherhood is something that I can grow into. This is like something I'm designed for. And as I mature, maturity looks like mothering mm. in various contexts, um, not with titles or with, you know, I'm the mom and here are my three, you know, people I'm mothering, but, but in this kind of broader sense and in a way that hopefully honors like some of the challenges that we have with that word, but also really the beauty that I think God designs uh, with the idea of family and motherhood. So, I don't okay, know, and kind so of a, for the listeners, to be clear, you're talking about spiritual motherhood. Well, yes, because all, everyone yes. you mentioned is a biological mother, and this I, was, is true. I was processing yes, everything to... through. <laughs> everything you said could apply to them in their biological mothering, right? Like, yes, thank you for clarifying that because this concept of motherhood and fatherhood that we right. talked about in the conference is so much bigger and broader than just producing children. And and we talked a little bit about, I think you, Brian, in the conference made the distinction that to father a child by just producing a child is not the same thing as fatherhood. And I think that one we understand a little bit uh, more clearly societally that like the absent father is technically biologically the father, but Right. Not really any real sense. So it's it's spiritual, but it's also in like a relational, emotional. I mean, it's just a broad term. Mm. So we have to keep saying that because I think sometimes the assumption when you say that word is like, oh, having babies. Okay. <laughs> Which is wonderful and not a complete picture of womanhood. Yeah. How, how does that uh, relate to what you hope to see at the men's event? coming up. Yeah, it's, it's something very similar um, without giving everything away uh, <laughs> for, for all our listeners um, who will no doubt be at the event. That's right. Uh, yeah, I think we're trying to, you know, Mary said at the beginning, these are complicated things that take a while to process. And so these events are a way of taking some of these kind of definitions or visions for in our case for manhood and saying okay what's the best way to process this together so it's not like similar to the women's breakfast um it's not going to be a like well let's just talk at you for three hours you know which is what we did in the conference it's much more okay here's some ways we tend to learn about manhood how did that work for you here's some here's how the def what the definitions are and a little clarity on them maybe a little more how does that intersect with these? You know, how can we encourage one another? So it really is a, lot, a very discussion-oriented, a way of trying to internalize um, what this means. And I think, um, like Mary was saying a moment ago, that the way this works itself out is very different in different men's lives when it comes to the specifics. Mm-hmm. So um, in, the, in at the women's event, you kind of have people who are working out what it means to grow and nurture life. Um, maybe the, the main way they're doing that is through the literal growing and nurturing of small human beings, you know, like fair yeah. enough. Um, the same is true of men, you know, f- f- fathering, maybe one of the primary ways you're expressing some of this is through a literal fathering of human beings. Um, but there's other ways that you're doing this. I, I know we're going to have, um, uh, some of the life group guys are going to come, which is really cool. So these are like middle school, high school. I think it's the high schoolers actually. Um, and for them, it's, it, you know, they are future spiritual fathers, but right now they're brothers. You know, like, what does it mean to be a brother in, in the local church? It's not just like a biological brother, but someone who's spiritually fraternal, uh, spiritually uh, encouraging, helping, uh, learning from those above you and, and growing up those below you. Like, what does that look like? Um, just trying to, that's going to look really different for them than from someone else. And then there's someone who's going to be doing it primarily 
at their workplace or another mm-hmm. kind of vocation? Mm-hmm. You know, what does it look like to to be a a man in the fullness of what that means in loving your neighbor at your office? You know, like and in some way, and this is where the complexities come in, where it's like, well, in in some ways. It looks like being a human. <laughs> in other ways, it really does look like being a human who is male, who is a man, yeah. um, who's made in the image of God as man. Um, and that, that that's different in beautiful and good ways than being made in the image of God as woman. In, and those are complementary to each other. So the idea is just kind of work that out and be able to walk away having it shape more the way you're living in the church, in the home, and the world in these kind of small steps of processing things out. Yeah, I mean, what, what I hear both of you saying is that there's one of the significant ways this takes shape in the church and shapes the life of the church is through individual conversations as people work out these concepts among one another and women with women, mm-hmm. men with men, like something unique happens. But And that's why we do these events and we're, why we're doing these events so that they can be conversationally, but it also gets worked out in community groups over mm-hmm. coffee in backyards when um, men sit with men and wrestle through what does it look like to uh, be spiritual fathers, to grow into spiritual fathers, um, and for women to do the same. And so it, it shapes it interpersonally. But I also think that it's over the last couple of years, this has really shaped even the some of the ways that our leadership functions together as a church as well. And, I, and there's a few different um, contexts I, I think about that. One is, Mary, you mentioned that there's been this women's leadership cohort. But basically, it's a cohort of five women that um, are kind of uh, undeniably spiritual mothers in our church and in roles, in specific roles of spiritual motherhood in our church that have helped to shape what this looks like. And in that, um, it hasn't just been a conversation, but they've, they, they shape it through how they function in our midst through planning with us together, brainstorming together, bringing, uh, needs of the church to us. And and in a sense, kind of trying to be a, a trial form of how we formalize. And again, one of the things I've learned that I don't know if it's surprised me. I don't know. Well, I don't know if I ever thought about it, but it's definitely struck me is that um, when it comes to a lack of clarity on and, and a lack of affirmation for what women should be doing in the life of the church, um, it's much more often that women have that confusion hmm. than the men. Like men are like, yeah, I, I'm encouraged. I, I want you to do that. But it's women are like, wait, what should I be doing? Like, is, this is this allowed? Like, should I be doing yeah. this? And so sifting through that has been, has really, I think, shaped and brought in a lot of freedom and clarity. I know. And mm-hmm. one that we want to moving forward, continue to kind of multiply and, and encourage more and more women and men to experience that type of clarity. But that's gone on in that context as we've worked out a lot of this and tested a lot of these concepts and vocabulary um, out in in the context of that women's leadership cohort, which has been a real blessing. Um, another incubator for this has been our our church staff. I think our church staff has been both testing this out and also learning how to um, live as and embody men and women that are distinctly men and women working together for the good of the church, for the facilitation of the church in ways that are both have a, you know, unique job description that's determined by your position, but also is uniquely applied whether you're a man or a woman. Mm-hmm. And that there are, is in a sense also, they've also seen the need for the complementary presence among our leadership and facilitation. And I think it's brought a lot of um, clarity and empowerment to a lot of our women, um, particularly our women staff, our women leaders. I think it's also brought a lot of clarity and freedom to a lot of our men and our men's staff because they, at the same time, 
And I actually, I think this is true about our men's staff. I actually think that this whole process has been really freeing and encouraging for our elders as well, because the, um, the, the reason I use the term freedom is because I think that it reminds them as men that they don't have to apologize for being men, that they don't have to be apologize for the unique gifts and roles that the Lord has given them and called them to as fathers, but that they can step into that role as, as father, where the world wants to pit men and women and things against one another, where scripture provides this beautiful imagery of this beautiful complementarity, um, that all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I, not only do I not need to apologize for this, but I can step into it in a fully throated way that blesses those around me and blesses the church, blesses the family, blesses the church family um, the most when I do. And so I've, I've seen, and again, what that looks like, how that strikes different people is different uh, man to man and woman to woman. It, I mean, even in our, our same church, it, it simultaneously um, buttresses where there was insecurity and knocks down where there was hints of um, patriarchy. Hmm. Yeah. Like it, it does both. <laughs> and I think in the life, lives of our women, I've seen it both um, empower where there was confusion and um, soften or bring gentleness where there was uh, a temptation to bitterness or edge. And it does all of that at the same time as we work forward and work this out in real relationships. So whether that's the real relationships among leadership, real relationships among staff, real relationships within leadership communities as community group leaders and men and women engage with one another and, and as it works out in um, community groups. And so I, I feel like I've seen that in real ways, ways that multiple people have um, commented the uniqueness of that experience in a way that's not simplistic, <laughs> that takes wrestling, that takes even trying to like, ah, man, I, this makes me feel uncomfortable and I don't know why. So now I've got to figure it out and wrestle through the truth as it applies in my life. So um, I think that the, the leadership stuff, um, I think what's m helpful about, uh, what's helpful about people knowing about that is, <laughs> is very similar to what's helpful about um, having it for, for us who are in leadership. Yeah. Like the, I think what we've really done in a lot of ways is try and add structure to the kind of conversations we were already having Yes. and then give them, uh, expand those. So there, there's a way in which um, we were constantly talking with, as male elders, mm -hmm. talking with women in the church Mary's a great example because you've been around a long time. And mm -hmm. so like you've been a part of this for a long time, as well as many other women in the church. So if you want to call them the spiritual mothers of the church, we were constantly talking about them. You know, um, a few of them were married to. So, like, mm -hmm. you know, like we're definitely talking to them. But there's plenty <laughs> of those that we're not mm -hmm. that we're talking to and inviting into these conversations just kind of ad hoc throughout, mm -hmm. you know, the entirety of the church. Yeah. Um, and then there are ways we're like finding, oh, you know, maybe. We're, we need to be doing that more in these different ways, but it was always kind of informal, interpersonal, uh, a, a meeting here or there mm -hmm. that, to help, you know, get everyone in the room at the same time. And I think um, that from the outside looked like just men doing everything because you couldn't see any of those conversations. They were entirely informal. And sometimes because they were informal, they weren't happening enough, you know? And so I think what, what this conference has done in really stressing the complementarity and therefore the necessity you can't be a father without a mother you know, you, there's a way in which you, you just you just can't do this without each other in the local church and so these kind of new burgeoning structures of this cohort or trying to understand what who are the mothers of the church and how do we add some structure some scaffolding around these relationships that already exist to make them a more visible to everyone and b to, to really make them more visible to us 
which is the freeing element of it, right? It's like, we're not worried that we're not doing it because we have these things in place that go, yeah, cool. This is where it happens. We know it's, go it's going to happen and is happening. We're enjoying it. So the, the beauty of structure plus the beauty of relationship come together mm -hmm. to allow for genuine complementarity in the leadership of, of the church that not everyone can see from the outside. And so getting it more formalized, I think allows for everyone in the church to go, I can see it working out in, in the, I can see that this is a real thing here. Mm. The complementarity is something we're actually striving towards on all levels. And I, I've really enjoyed that part. Yeah. 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 You, you know, it, it, it strikes me even as, as you say, that this is why, um, and you know, this is a little bit of a, a preview of, of, of what's coming, but th this is why in January at the family meeting, one of our plans is to re institute the servant minister recognition, the servant minister process where we, you know, we, we believe that, that deacons as they're identified in scripture, I'm not going to go into my soapbox now, <laughs> but, um, are, are essentially servant ministers. Those, they're those that serve the church by ministering to others and in, um, and, and are identified as both men and women. And one of the structural things like we, we have women, we have women in leadership, we have we, we, women ingrained part of that, but without, the scaffolding that says, wait, this is a uh, biblical office that women are officially recognized for. It just leaves like questions, like lack of clarity. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, in the midst of everything else over the last five years, like that uh, has existed really in the background. I, I don't think it ever like, didn't exist, but it's existed really in the background. Um, and we want to make sure to bring to the forefront in a way that, um, that the church as a whole says, right. Th these are those that we as a church family recognize as servant ministers in our midst, spiritually qualified men and women who are fathering and mothering the church faithfully in a various number of different Right. And so I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. That's a, to me, that's a pr an example of the scaffolding that you're like, well, this isn't different than what we were doing, but without the scaffolding or the clarity, it, it can oftentimes breed confusion instead of the, the clarity of the scripture. Yeah. Provides. And just, just by naming some things really clearly, I think it allows, especially women to step into those roles with confidence and freedom. Mm. I think, by way of an example, I believe Nicole shared this, but I've heard this from other servant ministers um, or community group leaders who are servant ministers, that it can be easy for, if if it's a, like a husband-wife team as the community group leaders, to think that the man is leading the community group and the woman is like, a, she's there like the support staff, she's the mm. helper. And I think when you frame it as like, with a vision of of mothering and fathering the community group. Mm. Like a, a mother is not a support staff to like an organization. Mm -hmm. They are working together in a very joint, close way mm. to care for the children. Yeah. Um, and I think that those terms can help, especially women realize like a, a mother who doesn't speak up when something's going wrong puts her children at risk. Mm. A mother who isn't fully present and engaged isn't able to really support the family well. And, and I think we have a loose idea of like what it means to be a good mother. And when we view ourselves in that way in the church, it opens that freedom to like, mm -hmm. well, actually, they, they really want me to share my thoughts because I'm bringing something that's an important perspective. And, you know, I think women may forever struggle with this question of, you know, waiting to be asked or nobody, yeah. you know, told me specifically this was my job. So I don't want to like overstep. And, mm. and I think these sort of more formal recognitions help encourage women who might just more now, I mean, some of us, I'm very loud. So, you know, I don't have as much trouble with that, but like, I think to different degrees, we all do struggle with totally. kind of jumping in. Mm. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I've been struck by how many times um, and I know you don't struggle with this, but I feel like I've heard it from you too. Like women in my life are like, are, are you sure? Like, should, is it okay if I, and you know, in my head, I'm like, of course, like, what, what do you mean? 
But to me, that's a symptom that even as pastors, there's more we should be doing. There's more we can be doing. And what we're trying to grow in as a church family so that we can uh, affirm in the the right ways, the incredible uh, design and complementarity that the Lord has created for us to function together as a spiritual family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're not just in... in you're not just invited into particular conversations and you're not just commissioned by the men in the church to invite yourselves. Yeah. yeah. Like you're commissioned by God by virtue of your design. Mm-hmm. Like, to, yeah. like, yeah. like, yeah. like it's, not, yeah. it's not, it's not, it's, it's not a permission a more, issue. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like it's a real thing. A bit, yeah. And that's the beauty yeah. of complementarity. And that's where it yeah. goes mm-hmm. back to the conference. It goes yeah. back to how yes. we are created and how that's supposed to work itself out in the way that, um, yeah, it's, it, permission isn't a function of complementarity. Mm. That's just not a. That's not really part of the vocabulary. Mm. You're supposed to, by virtue of how you were designed and commissioned by God, participate in the things God is doing in the world mm-hmm. as men and women. Mm-hmm. And so, if you wait, if if you wait to do that, then that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And if men are not encouraging that. That is also a problem. Yeah. So, like the, again, the complementarity shows itself up again. It's it, yeah. it's both and all the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. So that's a little bit of just kind of what we've seen, what we've experienced, kind of putting this down on the ground, and as we've seen it lived out in the life of the church. What are some practical ways you hope this will continue to shape? Our church. I mean, as you look forward to, since this is the last time we'll be talking about it, <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, uh, it's, it's not. But um, I, as you look forward, uh, what are some ways that you hope this will continue to shape our church? I mean, I, I think um, I I think that we will continue in some way, shape, or form with some level of regularity, as loosely as I can put that, to have uh, men's and women's events of some kind or other, you know, breakfast or something else, um, where we can work these things out. Um, not just the definitions, but where we can talk to each other, men as men and women as women. I think that's an important thing. And I think, you know, pedagogically, um, (laughs) I think the the events themselves are kind of teach these events themselves are teaching what it can be. Like, I think men will talk about manhood with men or just being men differently after, an event like this and women after an event like the one that, that was had earlier um, in as much as, you know, like the, the men's event is not going to be us getting together, eating like steak at nine in the morning and watching Braveheart. And you know, like the running. graphic looked like you promised eggs and bacon. You know, the, the graphics were very gendered. Like, they were so <laughs> gendered and but, we did not offer stock like image, you know, like what are you going to get? Yeah. 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 We, there will be, though. there will be eggs and bacon literally because I think, um, Steven Sato saw the image and was like, I guess that's what we're doing. And so, <laughs> and that guy's amazing. Bless so, him. Like, but I think that, yeah, I mean, the women's event also wasn't like, I don't know what's stereotypical crafting or something. No, like there's nothing wrong with we crafting might craft and there's no, in the future. There's no crafting. And I, I, I think Braveheart probably stands up. I don't know. But, but the point is that's not what these events are. Showed it to my son just, last, really? just last week. Does it stand up? My oldest. Uh, yeah. Long pause, but affirmative. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, I, that's I think the idea that, you know, men's events are, look this way, women's events look this way at Cornerstone actually will continue to encourage more shaping because that's the kind of thing that we're going to do as we talk about what it means to be a man and be a woman. Um, and that will then kind of spread its way out into the church as we continue to do that as men and women, you know, with each other. So that's one way I think it's going to continue to shape the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really hope that we see this very practically in the context of our community groups and in the ways in which people commit to those as like their close family among the family and begin to or continue to or grow more into engaging with each other as brothers and sisters. And, you know, our in our group, I've just seen that evolve over the years, like these are people that have become very much brothers, very much sisters to me. And it's really lovely when you know that you've got a group of people you can call on like you would a true sibling. Mm-hmm. And that takes some time and some investment. And that didn't, I mean, that came from years of us being together. And so um, I would encourage those of you who are either rebooting groups or in kind of new configurations um, to 
keep diving in and get close and and really walk into that time thinking about it as family time. And these are my brothers. These are my sisters. How do I love them well? Yeah, that that really resonates with me. I, I feel like as I think about what this looks like, you know, uh, going forward, I think not only have we inherited um, confusion just in general, I think that confusion, we, we've also inherited a pretty significant confusion about what sibling spiritual sibling relationships entail in the life of the church. And um, I feel like it's, I don't know, 20 years ago in ministry, I was like, this seems weird. Like, why, 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 are, why are we all scared of each other? But I think I should be, but it kind of seems weird. And I think it's not, not just taken 20 years for uh, the concepts to be developed but I, I think they, they they were probably developed much sooner than that along the way but it's take 20 20 years for proof of proof of concept mm. <laughs> they're like hey a church can can have sibling relationships between spiritual brothers and sisters where the relationships between brothers is unique and it's not like the relationships between spiritual brothers and sisters but the relationships between brothers and sisters are also unique and can exist and are important yeah in the, uh, an individual's life in the life of the church and that we are much more than potential threats to one another, exactly. um, but actually needed in one another's life. And I, I think that this type of nuanced understanding of complementarity opens the door to that in a way that's really rich and really important. And I hope that in the midst of community groups, I, I also really hope that this shapes, um, for parents, it gives them some clarity for how to communicate with their kids in a really confused world um, that, they, that they don't have to resort, resort to bumper stickers or, you know, just kind of try things, but that t- time, a father's time with his son teaches something, is important, and teaches something unique about manhood and about growing into being a man. Oh, uh, mother's time with her daughters teaches something unique and is important that it's that, that the father and mother aren't just interchangeable and that fathers in the church investing in young men, mothers in the church investing in young women and vice versa, but in a unique way, I think, I, I, I think that it, again, clarity on this, I feel like just gives us some freedom to operate within our design. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited for that to, to, to continue to play out. Um, all right, Brian, you sent us some questions. You sent me questions to ask you. Where did I send you to ask? But one of the, but one oh. of the, one of the uh, bullet points, that was the word I couldn't think of bullet point. Um, <laughs> is, <laughs> Uh, has Sundays with a question mark. Oh, right. I, w- I was going to bring that up. I thought you were moving on. Uh, um, no, no, I was going to, I, I, no, I, was I think it's so, got a question mark, so I didn't know. Yeah, fair uh, enough. You know, so, so I mean, Sunday services, um, I, I was thinking spe- specifically of services. I mean, I think there's plenty yeah. of ways that yeah, yeah. we interact and do other things on Sunday mornings. Um, in terms of services, uh, you know, clearly in our services, the, the pastor, uh, has to play a, a, a primary and important role in the things that are happening. That's just a Bible thing. Um, and what historically that's left us with is like, you know, I, well, I really hope there are some women who play instruments, um, to get on stage, <laughs> right. Yeah. At some level. And so we, we, and we've done that like very specifically. Yeah. I've like, I've walked around like just women like, Hey, do you, <laughs> do you play? Because I, we want our, our family to be seen on stage. We want, what people see on a Sunday morning to accurately reflect within, you know, mm-hmm. plus or minus, you know, normal yeah. ballpark stuff. Like, uh, we want people to come on Sunday and look at our stage and be like, Oh, that's what the church looks like. Like that's kind of what the church community is like. If I look on stage, I see what the church is like. Um, and it, that hasn't always been the case. Um, and what I'm trying to do now is find kind of new and creative ways for the family to get on stage more and more. Um, and I think they're probably the reason the question mark was there is I'm not entirely sure how that's going to happen. <laughs> um, but the other question mark is for those of you who are listening and don't know, it's just incredibly logistically challenging to do almost anything on a Sunday morning. 
um, because uh, it, there are so many people who are volunteering and serving in so many ways. Um, and a lot of those people are volunteering and serving in multiple ways, even on a Sunday morning. So this is kind of an encouragement. Yeah. If you are listening to this and you are compelled by the idea of, I want to see more of uh, what who's on stage reflect what our church family is actually comprised of um, within, you know, within reason. Yeah. Um, then, I, you know, I'd encourage you, like one of the ways to do that is if you don't want to be on stage, um, volunteer in our kids ministry. Yeah. A lot of the kind of spiritual uh, heavyweights in our church um, who I would love to put on stage somewhat regularly to read scripture, to pray, to do things like that. They are slammed just trying to plug holes um, in our kids' ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would love to see kind of the the mature spiritual men and women of our church uh, more involved on stage. But that might involve us getting more people <laughs> like in other parts. Um, and, and just in general, you know, and if you do play an instrument, you know, and you're a man or a woman, feel free <laughs> to talk to Andy. We love <laughs> all different kinds of instrumentalists. Uh, but, but the point is that I do think that that's a really f- uh, compelling vision for Sunday mornings that, that while the pastor is going to play a prime primary role in what happens, that there's more of our family on stage than less. Uh, and that that's just going to require us overcoming some logistical challenges that do require some effort and sacrifice on the part of the family to make that a reality and not just say, well, the pastor and like a handful of staff are the ones who can really be on stage because that's, you know, w- w- the people who are kind of, that's their job and we know they'll do it. And so, you know, we were just going to need help to make that a reality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. I think that's a good, um, I think it helps people to also see that when, um, when we want to grow in any area, there's both the spiritual and heart dynamics to overcome. And there's also logistical ones. Mm-hmm. I, you were describing that. I'm like, I feel like those are the things we deal with in our house. Laura and I were just like having this conversation the other day. Like, I, I want to do more of this. I want to like, I feel like I, I need to like help more in this way. But where does that come from? Right? Like, what about the, you know, X, Y, or Z? And um, not purely even in gendered ways, but just in human and human capacity ways, but also in ways that um, are shaded by and influenced by our, our gender and our unique contributions to the life of our kids, to the life of the uh, spiritual family that we are a part of in the church and um, the life of one another. So I think it's probably worth naming too that if in as much as there may seem like a visual imbalance, that there's a freedom to have that exist because there will be women who are more drawn to different types of service or there mm-hmm. will be women who are in different life stages where they have little ones at home and they would love to play in the band, but how would they get to practice and how would they show up for two services Mm -hmm. on a Sunday? And so I have found in these conversations, just a freedom of like, it's okay if the numbers aren't perfectly the same because women need the freedom to be able to say yes to certain things in their lives, in their family, with their gifting. And sometimes that's actually really good. Yeah. I love that part because I think that that's the, when it, and that's a helpful, um, uh, uh, it, it shades what I'm saying in I yeah. think a really helpful way because I, I don't have a 50-50 in my head and I don't think we ought to. I do want to see the uh, spiritually maternal uh, elements be present most Sundays yeah. in some way, shape, or form. And some of that requires a kind of presence on stage. It's not an every mm-hmm. Sunday. It's not a quota kind of thing. But man, it, it feels right to say our church is, is so much ministry is happening, not just on stage on a Sunday morning. Because honestly, like you, we want people to have a peek into some of the beautiful work that yeah. often happens in these quieter spaces. And I think that some of that mothering is happening so richly. And and we want to, I don't know, it's like a peek behind the curtain mm-hmm. that like, this is part of the goodness of like the women in the church. Yeah. And so in as much as we can have that without falling into any weird like numbers assessments yeah. or like weird agendas behind it besides just enjoying yes. how God has made his church and how God has made men and women as part of his church. That's the goal. And mm-hmm. that does have some logistical hurdles, but yeah. I, I think it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I love listening to you guys talk about this. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> I really like. Oh my gosh! This I'm is so, why you keep scheduling us. It is. I'm so <laughs> thankful that we're we're recording this because I mean these are the conversations that I know we've been having for years, mm-hmm. and it's it's in a sense. It's hard to like justify, yeah, let's have one of those conversations and record it, right? Or let's have one of those conversations <laughs> publicly, you know, like, but that's hard for me for all of these podcasts, <laughs> just FYI. <laughs> but, but by doing it, uh, it helps to, to wa- seed and water the life of the church with the why behind why we do what we do and then some of the what that is so easily so easily just devolves into um tension or um weird world talking points about gender equality or something like that where like we are man we are exploring the richness of god we're exploring the richness of the image of god and his image um displayed in his sexed and gendered image bearers and how that design works itself out in his spiritual family. And so if people are coming to, and, and, and even just entering into, I picture people entering into the courtyard on a Sunday morning with those glasses on, then nobody's like counting heads or trying to make a quota or like seeing if they really mean it or what, like they, they're, they're seeing it everywhere. And that, that's what's uh, it's just so beautiful to hear you guys talk about and to see lived out in the life of the church. I think that's all we got time for. Anything else before we go? Feel good? I'm so thankful, both of you, for your contributions for this time, or even just for the sacrifice of the lunch hour today so that we could do it and make it possible. Um, Thanks again for the work that you're both doing. And thank you all for listening. Thanks for living this out. Thanks for being the examples of it um, every day in your communities and every Sunday. And so we love you and we will see you on Sunday. <laughs>